Some people get stuck there thinking that's very spiritual to sacrifice. But we see with Jesus is he, he was able to love himself and care for himself so that he'd be full and be able to care for other people and love them fully. And that's, that's where we want to drive our kids, where we teach them how to balance life being in and out and, and really renewing and filling their cups so that they can be renewed to love others fully and not with resentment. That was Danny Huerta, our guest on Focus on the Family today, speaking about taking care of ourselves in order to be able to care for others and teaching our children the same principle of being willing to serve. It's great to have you with us as we endeavor to give parents some sound advice and encouragement for their task of parenting. Your host is Graham Schnell, and I'm Alison Schnell. Well, Alison, we're in it. I think we'd both put our hands up to receive good parenting advice and encouragement. I think one of the things that we've realized is that you never know it all, and you never have it all together, and that's okay. But it is good to have the desire to grow in the area of parenting, because these kids that we have are a blessing from God. Yeah, well, Graham, you had an amazing opportunity while you were in the U.S. to speak to the man who's giving leadership to the whole parenting channel of Focus on the Family and glean some very helpful advice for parents. So let's go now to that conversation that you had with Danny. Well, one of our key areas or priorities at Focus on the Family is helping parents and parent figures, anyone who's playing the role of a parent in the life of a child. We want to help them create an environment of love and support and raise their kids to thrive, raise them with biblical values. But it's easier said than done sometimes. I'm in the midst of it. I know how easy it is to get sidetracked, really distracted by just the pace of life. It takes intentionality to be a good parent, and it helps to have some tools and some direction. And joining us to help us with that is Danny Huerta. Danny is the Vice President of Parenting and Youth Department here at Focus on the Family in the United States. And in this role, he oversees Focus's initiatives that equip parents to disciple and mentor the next generation so that they can thrive in Christ. Danny's also a licensed clinical social worker. He specializes as a counselor and a spokesperson in the treatment of ADHD, conflict resolution, self-esteem issues, anxiety and depression in children, adolescents and their families. So a host of, of specialities. Danny, welcome to Focus on the Family Africa. It's really great to have you with us. Graham, thank you for having me with you. I appreciate it. Well, Danny, we recently launched a tool on our website that we really need to give you some credit for. Uh, and it's this online assessment that really aims to give parents an honest look at their unique strengths and some of the areas that they could probably use a little help in. And it's called the Seven Traits of Effective Parenting Assessment, which obviously makes the assumption that there are these seven traits as parents that we need to be paying attention mm -hmm. to. Uh, where did those seven traits come from? Because you're really the author of this. You know, what inspired you to come up with these seven traits? Great question, Graham. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and to be able to talk about these important seven traits. And we research these as a research team here at Focus on the Family. So the word we there is a team. Yeah. Uh, the research team and the parenting team looked at what are the traits of an effective parent because we want parents to win at parenting. Yeah. And as a clinician, as a therapist, I've noticed certain traits over the years that have been effective in communicating certain values, certain uh, things that 
parents are trying to teach their kids and then you begin to see the fruit of that teaching in their kids. Yeah. And so over, over the years, I've accumulated that information plus looked at the research and what uh, the, the, the research has told us. And that's how we came up with these seven specific traits. Yeah. Well, let's get into some of these seven traits because I'm sure people are it. anxiously wanting to know what are these seven traits. Because if we can get these right, we can really have kids that are thriving in their faith. So, well, the first one, which I think is pretty foundational, is love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that might be an obvious one, but I speak a little bit more about the importance of, of love and that trait for a parent. Love is critical. I think it's misused many times. Love at its very depth and its very core is inconvenient because what you're doing is you're, you're having to learn how to live within each other's differences, imperfections, when you're wrong, being able to repair that, being able to shift your attention so you pay attention to someone else. Uh, but really it's about caring about the other person's world and their growth and development and caring beyond your own emotions and feelings and, and caring enough to manage your own internal world mm-hmm. so that you can give of yourself to another person. There is sacrifice, but there's also a balance of self-care mixed yeah. into that. Yeah. So when you say a balance of self-care, you're saying it, it has to start with loving yourself. Yeah, loving the design of who God created you to be and also the role of being a parent, loving that role enough yeah. to grow in by reading Scripture, to... Uh, reflect on the things that maybe you're not doing well as a parent, being open to that and open to growth and input from mentors and people around you, and then taking the time to figure out what's important and what's urgent mm-hmm. and putting the urgent things aside. For instance, if if I have an urgent matter in my home, let's say the dishwasher or let's say um, something breaks in my home, mm-hmm. but my child has something they really are wanting to talk to me about, mm-hmm. that other thing's urgent. What's important is me pausing and, and looking at what is my child needing from me in this moment. And, I mean, we talk about this in marriage. It's not, it's not about feeling. Even there, the, the feeling might be, oh, I've got to get this thing fixed. But it's a choice. It's a decision to actively choose to love your child yes. in that instance. Uh, you speak about the four levels of love. Uh, and we've maybe kind of touched on that to mm-hmm. a degree, but just go through what are those different levels and how do we progress through that to help our kids live out this thriving faith ultimately? Yeah, Graham, this is key. Uh, a, a child is born with with a drive to love themselves for their own sake. So they're going to they're gonna look for survival. Yeah. Some kids that are abused get stuck there. Yeah. There's abuse and you're just looking for survival and you're going to yeah. love yourself and no one else because that's the only people you, that, that's the only person you can trust. Yeah. Then you have the second level, which is I'm going to love another person because they benefit me. When there's abuse there, there's manipulation, there's other things mm-hmm. where you see other people as only beneficial for you and that's it. And you can't step into their world. That's it, level two. Is this is this kind of a natural progression that would happen, provided there's no abuse or, or kind of a fixation at some point, that would happen just naturally with age? Or is this something that you have to kind of work through to get to the different levels? You, you normally progress at the beginning, level one, level two, just in, in a normal developmental home where yeah. a mom is interacting with her child and yeah. And, uh, and, and having those moments of connectedness and a dad is spending time with the kids, you're seeing that level go up just with maturity in the, in the brain and the mind and with experiences. And then a child will eventually get to level three where they have empathy and they want uh, the best in another, maybe a brother, sister, or friend, and they love them sacrificially. 
But what happens there, some people get stuck there thinking that's very spiritual to sacrifice. But we see with Jesus is he, he was able to love himself and care for himself so that he'd be full and be able to care for other people and love them fully. Yeah. And that's, that's where we want to drive our kids, where we teach them how to balance life being in and out and, and really renewing and filling their cups so that they can, um, they can be renewed to love others fully and not with resentment. That I sacrifice for you. You should probably be loving me back. <laughs> yeah. Instead, I, out of my overflow, I'm going to love you. And if you love me back, that's a bonus, and hopefully we connect. But I'm just going to love on you. And as a parent, if you do that well, then you won't have resentment over moments where you're having to wash extra dishes yeah. or doing other things that you're doing for the family. You're just loving out of that abundance. How many people do you think actually get to that level? Ah, man, it's, it's almost, uh, it, that, that's a great question, Graham. I, I really think it's a great place. We have moments there yeah. as, as in the reality. Yeah. We, we definitely dance between level three and four with the reality of demands of life. Yeah. What, what saddens me is many parents end up in, in level two, and I've heard uh, parents say, man, I can't wait for my kids to get out of the house. I just can't yeah. wait till they're out. And that saddens me because that, that's a very short period of time and they see kids as inconveniences. And I'm sure anyone that's listening to the show would be in that level three, level four, potentially with exhaustion in that level three. And I would encourage you to press pause. Maybe if, if you're married, talk to your spouse and say, hey, well, how can we have, how can we tag team yeah. and have moments of timeout where we renew either together as a couple or individually so that out of that outflow, we can really pour back in and really be focused on what's going on with our yeah. kids. Well, the next one is respect, which kind of flows from love. And I think of from a scriptural perspective, we often pair the two, love and respect. I mean, there's books written about yeah, those that's things. That's right. So, Together. Uh, so respect, tell us a little bit more about the importance of respect and the value of respect in, in our household where we want to train up these kids to be everything God intended them to be. Well, first we have to be models of respect. And that's what we do with our our eyes, our hands, with our bodies. What do we do that shows respect to what we've been given? That's that's the first one. Second one is how do we respect other people that are around us? Do we give them eye contact? Do we acknowledge that they're there? Do we acknowledge that they're creating God's image, that they're just as much of clay with the potter as we are? Uh, and then the other one is how do we leave the places we've gone? Do we leave them better? That's a, that's a rule that of, of the teams I've coached, and I know it's a rule all out there in many homes that where you go, you leave better than what you got there, and that shows respect to the space you've been in. So the first one is respect of how you're handling your body. The second one is how you're handling the respect of how you're handling people around you. And the third one is how are you respecting the space around yeah, you? Yeah. I'm just I'm just picturing uh I'll call it a hypothetical no I'll just be honest and say it's in our home and uh we've got two two younger kids sharing a room together and and we've often talked about respecting their space and and needing to make sure that it's tidy but it's an ongoing battle for us because both of these kids, well, neither of them are the kind of personality, or maybe that's just my excuse, but the <laughs> oldest child has got her own room, and her room is immaculate. She respects her stuff. Uh, she looks after her room well, and the other two, uh, almost every day, it looks like a bomb's exploded in there. <laughs> you uh, say, are you guys okay? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and you could have it all na- nice and neat and tidy, and you could leave them for two minutes, and 
it's amazing how much mess that they can make in just two minutes. And so we've kind of battled with this idea of how important is this because we think it is important for them to, to learn that these are boundaries you want to put in place and it's, it is a respect issue. Uh, but it seems as though almost their personalities are just not connecting with this idea of the importance of yeah. the tidy room. Uh, <laughs> but how do, what are some of the practical things we can do to, to teach and to model this, this issue of respect when it comes to stuff and space? Oh, with man, the that's, kids? that's a tough one for all families, Graham. <laughs> yeah, including my own. I mean, that, that's the whole uh, tidy of the house thing. I, there's a balance, right? You don't want yeah, a museum, sure. but you also don't want one where it shows disrespect for all the space. Yeah. We've had these conversations in, in our home, and the, the most frequent one that I love to use, uh, just as far as a tool for parents, is asking the children, is there anything outside, anything of yours that's outside in the common area that needs to find its place? Yeah. And if they don't put it away, what happens is taken away and they have to pay to get it back. That's yeah. just a one little practical tool. But really the lessons that we talk about is when you dirty something, when you use something, yeah. it's natural that you either put it away or you wash it. Now, that's a natural and easy thing to say, <laughs> but in the hurriedness of life, it doesn't happen. And sometimes kids will, will need the reminder. And, and I think as parents, if we can get into a routine with our kids and just remind them, not in a... In, in a scolding way or or even saying, please, hey, can you please put your dish away? You just say, hey, you know what? It's a great time to put your dish away now. Yeah. Over time, they will get that, but you have to be consistent. And that's yeah. where, Graham, if we can be consistent teaching the, the, the thing they're needing to do, put the dish away and say, you know what? That's respect. It, it lands well. One other tool that I love to use, and you guys could use this uh, <laughs> at any point in, in your parenting, really, yeah. is putting a jar somewhere where you – you pinpoint respect. So anybody that notices respect or practices respect gets to have a marble put into a jar. So for instance, if a, if one of your, let's say my son says something respectful to my daughter, like, um, hey, l- let me get that for you. Excuse me, or I'm sorry. Those are respectful words. Yeah. And I said, then, hey, that was respect, Alex. Why don't you put put a marble or a paper clip or a rock into the jar yeah. once that's filled as a family we're going to celebrate together i yeah. love to use this whole celebration concept and i yeah. keep repeating it whenever i'm interviewed because it's it's important for us to stop and celebrate as we're learning things yeah and it's it's positive reinforcement as it you is. say rather than the kind of ah oh, you didn't do it again this is a way of being able to actually celebrate the the positive which yeah and set a goal and do it as a family right yeah, yeah. but it, it, the key one is as parents, do we model that respect towards each other's husband and wife, yeah. number one? And then um, for, for and this is a common one with men's groups as well, how do you respect women when you're out there with your eyes, with the way yeah. that you treat them as a model for your son uh, in the holistic picture of what respect means? And yeah. that's the one that dads sometimes go, ah, you know, I didn't, I didn't do anything, but yeah, my eyes kind of kind of wander because of the visual aspect of, of that uh, manhood area. And that doesn't mean that a person's a bad person. It's a vulnerability. And how am I practicing respect and modeling? That's a great reminder yeah. for us as dads. How am I yeah. showing my son how he should treat women yeah. with, with his, his, his whole being? And what about respecting our kids? Is that something that you, you talk about as well? I mean, I would imagine it needs to go both ways. We want to model mm, respect. We yeah. want to respect our, our spouses in front of them. Uh, but what about respecting them, even though they are younger than us? Yeah, there's temptation to be sarcastic every once in a while, right, Graham? Yeah. When we're talking to our kids. And that would be the one where 
I'd, I'd caution you to have a stop sign when yeah. you're wanting to use sarcasm with your kids and also respecting their space. Yeah. Uh, some people take it as far as with technology saying, well, I want to respect their privacy and I'm not going to check anything. And that's really actually isn't respect. That's poor parenting just because sure. you need to be involved intentional yeah. with that, which is yeah. one of the other traits we'll be talking about. Yeah. But in this case, respect is through your how you treat them with your hands. Do you, do you hit them? Yeah. Uh, that's not respect. Do you... Uh, when when you are actually correcting and teaching, is is it a loving? If you do end up spanking, is that the last resort? And if, is it done out of love and out of wanting to teach, um, or is it reactive and out of control? Uh, that there's a difference there in in how it's shown the, yeah. the discipline through respect. And when I'm disciplining, am I shaming my child or am I? stopping with grace and then correcting and respecting who my child is, their personality, their difference. And, uh, you know, a lot of times emotions get in the way of us being respectful and we yeah. have to, we have to acknowledge that yeah. and look at that. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned intentionality and that it is one of the other traits. I think it's, I think it's one of the most important. I often, I often feel like if we have to sum up parenting, even marriage, uh, in a word, or maybe not sum it up, but give a word that's so vital and important to making a success of these areas of family. It has to be intentionality. We have to have a, we have to have a plan. It isn't going to just work out. Yeah. <laughs> We've, everything around us in the world kind of moves towards breakdown. And if we don't have a plan and are intentional about doing it well, uh, it, it isn't going to just work out. I mean, there's an there's an essence of things things will work out, but uh, but we do need to have intentionality about how we do parenting. Yes, yes, Graham. That the the word workout in there is is key because a lot of us want to be intentional about working out or yeah. other things, and, and that falls apart too. Yeah. Like, and even more so with parenting, we're just tired, right? Yeah. We're yeah. we're either tired, we're distracted, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And the intentionality is key because what you're doing is you're putting a structure to what you're trying to do in parenting from point A to point B. And there's teaching happening every day for your child. Either either culture's raising your child or you are, or their friends are. Yeah. In, in fact, one of the 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 things that, that hit me recently was the the fact that what, what I read was that the number one resource for sex education for 11 to 13 year olds are friends and social media here in America. Mm. That area requires intentionality on our yeah. part as parents to teach our children the foundations to, to a free sexual relationship uh, as they grow older. And that's conversa- those are conversations way early on. Yeah. And uh, it's also taking time to intentionally taking time to connect with each child. Having mealtimes together takes intentionality. Media discernment takes intentionality. Every aspect yeah. of what it means to be a parent takes some level of intentionality, even bedtime, intentionally creating a, a good bedtime routine yeah. uh, in the morning, being intentional with things you're going to do, and also intentional with family times together. Otherwise, time would get filled with other things. Yeah. Boundaries and limits is one that I'm sure comes up wow. often with parents because that's that's often where people are living. They're living in the midst of setting boundaries and, and dealing with discipline. I know when we do events in South Africa and uh, we do a survey and we ask parents what are some of the major challenges and some of the maybe less major challenges and almost every time the top response is boundaries 
and, and limits, boundaries and, and discipline, I should say. How do we get that right? What are some of the key things that we need to do there? You're right, Graham. This is the toughest. And that's why I'm, I'm uh, hesitating as I'm going in because it's a, it's a tough and big topic. Yeah. These are the fences you're building. And yeah. the wind can blow a fence over and you have fences yeah. that age over time, right? And and uh, that's what's happening in the home where you, you have to have those concrete fences, very clear fences yeah. and consistent fences and strong ones. And uh, so let's go, let's go practical with this. Yeah. Let's just go with technology to begin yeah. with, because I think that's the biggest one on yeah. parents' minds right now. Is how do I handle a smartphone? How do I handle movies? How do I handle social media? The brain, there's an onslaught on the brain, and the kids, having an open conversation with your kids as to what boundaries make sense for their growth. So you set vision. Who do you want to be by the time you're 18? Yeah. And I want to participate in that. What do you want to be doing? Yeah. And, and I'll give you an example. My son, he said, I, I love woodworking, and I want to do that. And I want to play basketball. I want to become a really good basketball player, and I love drumming. Man, yeah. those are three things. That's a lot of work. <laughs> and he wants to grow in his faith with Christ, and he wants to have time with friends. Yeah. And he said, when, when do I get a phone, Dad? Great question. Yeah. I said, if you say yes to that, you're going to have to say no to a lot of different things because it, yeah. it, just, it takes up your time yeah. and distracts you. What do you think? Do you think this makes sense for you? Yeah. You know, it was a back and forth, and we, we had conversation, and he, he kind of gave a good reasoning why it could make sense for him. But as a parent, I said, you know, I'm not here to make you happy, son. Yeah. That's not my job. I'm here to mentor you and come alongside of you. And it makes it does not make good sense at all yeah. from my perspective as a dad for you. Here are the boundaries and why you're not going to have a phone until you're about 16, and you have to you have to show us that you're trustworthy to have such a a big tool like that. And I want you to have it. It's just yeah. the timing is not right. Sure. And I know there's arguments with that with with a lot of parents. And in this case, my son asked again. But I was consistent with it, yeah. and and that's what we need to do. We need to keep in mind we're doing boundaries. We're not here to make our kids happy. Yeah. We're here to create those boundaries for them, and sometimes they're going to get mad, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, because as you said, our job isn't to be their friend. It isn't to make no. them happy. We've got a much higher calling than that. Yes. Yeah. Well, we don't have time to get into all of these others, but I know when we chatted just before this this interview you mentioned that you've got the statistics of of which of the the traits are actually the lowest amongst yeah. those that are are participating in this assessment and those are the ones we mostly haven't gotten to uh, so <laughs> maybe just to go through all of the ones that we we have done uh, we've talked about love we've talked about respect intentionality boundaries and limits um hit the last three or four, <laughs> yeah. and just name which are the the top or, or the top needs, as it were, um, in terms of the assessment that you're doing. Yeah, the, the main ones that people are having a difficult time with are adaptability, and that yeah. means adapting to all the stressful things coming at you. Grace and forgiveness is another yeah. one, and those are two key components together. Grace is part of forgiveness. Forgiveness part of grace. And then uh, the boundaries and limits, which we hit on, okay. and we could be a much broader topic. People are going to really need to dig further into that one. Uh, those are the three that parents have a yeah. consistent, difficult time with. Yeah. Yeah. And then the only other one we haven't hit is gratitude. Yeah. Uh, and that just the need to, to model that and to, to instill that in our kids. Gratitude is not just a, a moment or a feeling. It is truly a discipline yeah. that, that a, a parent needs to learn. And in, in my own home, my wife has struggled with some anxiety. And my daughter had... 
um, she had prayed for years. Hey, Lord, please take this away from her. And she asked, she said, why, why hasn't God removed this anxiety from mom? And I said, wow, you know, maybe we need to look at it from a different angle because this would be very frustrating. And we would begin to doubt if God really cares about her, if he's even real, right? Yeah. And uh, I said, I wonder what this is doing in our lives. Is it creating patience? Is it creating a true dependence on God? We can be thankful for these, these things that we would never, ever do or experience if we didn't have, if I didn't have a wife, if you didn't have a mom that struggled with this anxiety. Yeah. And it gave her a different lens, and it, it, it took everything in me to get yeah. in there because it brought optimism to me as well. It, t- yeah. it caused me to reflect and figure out, what can I be thankful for in this, just like Paul has said? Yeah. What, what are the things that we can be thankful for that are given to us? How can we shift so we see things in different ways? Gratitude gives us that new lens that sometimes we need to really find hope where they're, they're, you don't maybe feel that. What a helpful conversation that was with Danny today. The traits he highlighted as being most important for effective parenting really did resonate with me. And as you heard, Danny was instrumental in putting together the seven traits of effective parenting assessment. This assessment gives parents an honest look at their strengths, plus some areas that could use a little help. And you'll find this free tool on our website at safamily.co.za. You'll also find the book that Danny wrote called Seven Traits of Effective Parenting, where he says every mom and dad can develop the skills needed to raise the next generation of healthy, mature, and responsible children. There's no formula to follow, just room to grow. Give us a call on 031 or visit safamily.co.za to order your copy. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa. Thank you for being with us today. And please do join us next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.